You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW Talknet. Hi, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us. I'm back after a brief vacation to report to you on the goings-on in the swamp. A lot to report on. Of course, Judicial Watch is in the center of the storm here in terms of holding your government accountable to the rule of law. We're uncovering details about the ongoing attacks on President Trump, illicit attacks, the deep state attacks targeting President Trump, news about the Clinton hacking scandal, details about a new lawsuit on behalf of a deep state whistleblower. And uh, most recently, we have incoming information about the way the FISA courts are operating, and it's bad news. And I'll start with that. Particularly, we have a lawsuit for records about the infamous FISA court proceedings related to General Flynn, Carter Page. Now, the government's told us they can't confirm or deny anything's happened as it relates to General Flynn, but they did confirm to us as a result of the president's uh, brave effort to disclose information about what was going on. He declassified uh, issues, uh, documents related to the Carter Page materials earlier this year. Uh, they confirmed to us there was a Carter Page uh, FISA application warrant process, uh, and we received, Judicial Watch did, the FISA applications targeting Donald, uh, Carter Page, a, Trump, a former campaign advisor of President Trump. There was the initial warrant filed in, uh, I think it was at the end of 2017, uh, just before the election, of course. Uh, excuse me, just before, in 2016, just before the election, and there were three renewals. The most recent one filed uh, in June of 2017 by Rod Rosenstein uh, to the benefit of Robert Mueller, who's the special counsel. So the special counsel is responsible for these FISA court warrant applications. You have, obviously, Rod Rosenstein responsible for the warrants. You had also James Comey sign on to them. Andrew McCabe signed on to him, who was the FBI number two, was fired in disgrace. And then Sally Yates, the anti-Trumper acting attorney general for a time, number two in the Justice Department under Obama, also signed on to him. So three of those folks have been fired, Yates, Comey, and Mr. McCabe. Uh, But uh, the warrants also show they were heavily redacted. They show uh, they relied on the Clinton DNC dossier, without telling the courts it was the Clinton DNC dossier. They pretended uh, or, or withheld that information from the courts. They also uh, used Christopher Steele as, Steele as a source, even though uh, at least for the warrant applications, the three warrant renewals, he was deemed after, let's, say, let's put it this way. In October, the warrant was filed they used Christopher Steele as a source. They didn't tell the court that he was working for the Clinton camp. So really outrageous. And then shortly after that, Judicial Watch found in another case, uh, we got FBI documents about Christopher Steele. The FBI in November of 2016 cut Steele off as a warrant, as a, as a source, saying that he was deemed unworthy as a confidential human source. And they told him not to collect intelligence. Well, it turns out he was continued to be used by them to justify these warrant applications. Now, they suggest that there were problems with him leaking to the media, to the courts, but they didn't tell the courts that they cut him off as a source, deemed him unworthy. 
deemed him not suitable as a confidential human source. That certainly should have colored what the courts uh, might have done, or uh, that information might have colored the court's analysis as to whether to agree to accept these applications. Now, one of the things we're interested in, in terms of getting these applications, was did, we, did they have uh, hearings about what was going on here? Did they discuss any of this with the courts? You know, it's one thing to have the four corners of the application in front of you, but maybe they talked about this with the courts in person. Well, it turns out, incredibly, there were no hearings by the courts on these FISA warrant applications. These historic FISA warrants targeting Carter Page, and look, you hear Carter Page, don't be distracted. It was all about Donald Trump. If you read these warrant applications, they're available on our website at judicialwatch.org. You'll see it's all about targeting Donald Trump. And uh, we had asked for the, for the uh, transcripts. Uh, the Justice Department initially told us there were no transcripts. We asked the court just a few weeks ago, we filed a motion with the FISA court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court that handles these proceedings, uh, asking for them to release transcripts. Uh, we hadn't heard from them. But finally, the Justice Department late last night filed a brief in our case suing for these records. And this is what they disclosed to Judicial Watch. I'm going to need my glasses, put my disguise on here. The National Security Division of the Justice Department, FOIA, consulted Office of Intelligence, again with the, secure, uh, just with the Justice Department, to identify and locate res records responsive to our FOIA request. The Office of Intelligence determined that there were no records, electronic or paper, responsive to our FOIA request with regard to Carter Page. The Office of Intelligence further confirmed that the Foreign Surveillance Court considered the page warrant applications based upon written submissions, it did not hold any hearings. So this court, these courts, rubber stamped spying on the Trump team. That's how I read it. They didn't hold one hearing on the initial application, not one hearing on the renewals, even though in the renewals, uh, the Justice Department starts making noises about the source having problems, Christopher Steele. And they knew it was targeting President Trump, and they didn't bother holding one hearing. Isn't that outrageous? And these were four different courts. So you had the initial application, and then three subsequent renewals. It wasn't before the same judge. It was four different federal court judges. And this is the way the FISA court works. It's the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. These are proceedings that are conducted in secret. They're not subject to public disclosure, typically. This is the first time ever FISA court warrant applications have ever been released. First time in history. So it's rare to be able to get them. Uh, and uh, various federal court judges are assigned to terms on this Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, I think by the uh, Supreme Court uh, the Chief of Justice of the Supreme Court, Mr. Uh, uh, Just, in this case, Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts. So there's a revolving door of, uh, not a revolving door, but uh, essentially the court, uh, the court changes. Uh, it's, uh, the people, uh, the judges on the court change from time to time after their terms are up. So, uh, but not one of these federal court judges who were given this awesome responsibility to conduct these secret court proceedings, these classified proceedings, 
where the government comes in and asks for spy warrants on American citizens because they're deemed to be acting as agents for a foreign power. And they were throwing this dirt at President Trump and not one judge decided, thought enough to hold a hearing. And I tell you what, if they're not doing this on spy warrants targeting President Trump, you can bet they're not doing it on any spy warrants uh, or in sufficient ways on spy warrants targeting any other American citizen. It seems to me, if this is the way it behaves, this is the way the court is on spying on President Trump, can you imagine what it is for someone who's not well known? And, I, and I've been told typically they don't hold hearings on these spy warrant applications. They just stamp them, rubber stamp them. Now, maybe in some cases they think they can rubber stamp them, that it's appropriate that, look, the Justice Department and the FBI, uh, they go under oath, they, uh, they promise the courts that this, uh, this record is complete, and they are having, there's enough information for the court to decide one way or another based on the papers. Maybe the courts say, hey, look, you know, I don't, I don't need to bring them in and question them. I can, I can read. But it seems to me, when you look at the evolving, cha the changes in these warrant applications, especially with respect to the key source, Christopher Steele, uh, the court should have hold a, held a hearing. So this is big news. The courts never held a hearing on the FISA warrant applications targeting the team, Trump team specifically only with Carter Page. Now, do we know there were FISA warrants for General Flynn or for anyone else on the Trump team? We don't know that. But we do know on these key issues, on this key warrants about Carter Page, in which the Clinton DNC dossier was fraudulently used, uh, the, the court didn't use uh, its powers to conduct a hearing. So I don't know if you think that's efficient oversight. I don't think it is. And I hope at least the court holds a hearing now about whether its processes were corrupted by the material omissions of the fact that the Clinton DNC operation paid for the dossier, that the dossier was minimally corroborated, that the Bruce Orr, who was conflicted, the top Justice Department official was running the dossier into the FBI despite his wife working for Fusion GPS, who was, who was one of the authors of the dossier, creators of the dossier, the problems with Christopher Steele, both as a source and as an anti-Trump advocate, the problems with Peter Strzok as an anti-Trump advocate, who was obviously behind these uh, warrants as well. Will the court ask whether its processes were corrupted? They're not required to hold hearings. But the Justice Department and the FBI are required to be forthright with the courts, and that didn't happen in this case, all to get Donald Trump. That's the scandal of our time. That's the scandal. And you won't hear about it in the media other than perhaps on Fox News. The other networks are obsessed with getting Trump, and they refuse to focus on the corruption scandal that's staring them in the face. But Judicial Watch is doing the work here. We're getting the records. We're telling you that the courts were AWOL in terms of monitoring the FISA court process with respect to spying on Donald Trump. Unbelievable. Unbelievable development. Now, getting back to Bruce Orr, who, as I said, was implicated here, he finally was questioned on the Hill recently. 
uh, about his, uh, well, I don't know because it's not public, but presumably they asked about the Steele uh, dossier, the Clinton DNC dossier. Remember, Nellie Orr, his wife, was hired by Fusion GPS to work on this dossier targeting President Trump. Nellie Orr has been highlighted as being kind of a kind of a, kind of lefty and an apologist for uh, communism in Russia. Uh, so certainly, probably not a fan of Donald Trump one way or another, based on her uh, academic record. And she was hired specifically to create uh, this dossier, help create this dossier and analyze materials targeting Donald Trump, which is all well and good if it's honestly done, disclosed to the courts, and that's disclosed to the courts that her husband is the Justice Department official who is also working with Fusion GPS and laundering it in to the FBI. So this is what happened. The FBI cuts off Fusion GPS, or Christopher Steele specifically, as a source deemed unsuitable, unsuitable. Yet Bruce Orr continues to meet with him, continues to take information from him and send it over to the FBI. Now, Bruce Orr supposedly testified. He told a half a dozen officials in the FBI and DOJ about his contacts with Fusion GPS and his relationships with Fusion GPS. Who could, who could that have been? Was it Peter Strzok? Was it Andrew McCabe? Was it James Comey? Now, supposedly his supervisors at the Justice Department didn't know he was working a backdoor way with the FBI to get information from Christopher Steele that the FBI said he, he needed to be cut off as a source. Yet they corruptly allowed Bruce Orr, who had a conflict of interest, Fusion GPS was giving him money through his wife. When you're married, your wife makes money, you make the money as a spouse. Isn't that obvious? So he was conflicted out. So that was unethical, perhaps illegal, his participation in this process. So we've asked for records about what Bruce Orr has been up to. And, of course, we're getting the runaround. We were in court a few weeks ago about this. Uh, Ramona Kotka, who's our lawyer on this, was in court uh, trying to get information. Um, we had a court hearing because the court had a follow-up hearing. At the prior hearing, the court in this particular lawsuit, we have three of them targeting war documents, told the Justice Department to get on the ball and give Judicial Watch these documents. Search and produce any documents you found. So what's interesting is we go into court, and just before we go into court, we get notice from the Justice Department. Oh, by the way, we, uh, we look for the documents, but it looks like we're going to have to look for them again because there's been a glitch. Well, it turns out we found, so we go into court, and they tell the court this. We didn't know what the glitch was about, but they said they give us the documents by the middle of September. Uh, so we went away. Uh, but now it turns out this glitch was more substantial than we were led to believe. Uh, according to a filing in another, in another case brought by another organization, the Justice Department said that in October of 2017, they supposedly were migrating all of these government email accounts, Justice Department email accounts, into a database from which they were searching in response to the FOIA. 
So they began using this database exclusively in October of 2017, once they've gotten all the bugs out of the way. Well, it turns out there was a glitch, and certain accounts weren't being migrated to this database for them to search. And evidently, they didn't discover this till late July or August of 2018. So that's nearly a year of searches that were compromised as a result of this so-called glitch. The question I have is, did any emails get lost in the meantime? Meaning, as certain accounts weren't having their emails transferred into this system, were users of those accounts deleting emails before they were transferred? That's the question I have. The other question I have is how many searches were compromised? And were congressional searches compromised? Were IG, were IG searches compromised? Because the inspector general is supposedly doing an investigation and trying to get documents. Isn't it a miracle about all these glitches? We had the lowest learner, IRS tapes that were deleted, then became undeleted, then became deleted again. We had, remember, glitches for um, uh, uh, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page text messages. Text messages went missing. We still don't know we have all those text messages. Glitch upon glitch upon glitch. And, uh, and what happens when these glitches come it means that documents usually get lost and are never found. And isn't that convenient? So this is something we'll be pursuing. Uh, the real question now is, what's going on with Bruce Orr? Why is he still in the Justice Department? The president's asked that recently. I don't know what Congress is doing uh, with respect to getting documents out that Bruce Orr's, uh, that the Justice Department has produced about Bruce Orr. Because I guess the documents show, they haven't been publicly released, they've been reported on, show that he was uh, in constant communication with Christopher Steele. Uh, the Justice Department has told us they have 1,600 records or pages of documents they need to review. And they want, as, uh, they want six more months to turn them over to us. Six months. They can review that number of documents in a day or two. There's no doubt about it. But they want up to six months to turn them over. So Congress, we don't know what Congress does. All we know is what we can do. And we know what we do is a really good way of getting access to information that Congress can't get uh, and that the government would never tell you about. So that's why we file our Freedom of Information Act lawsuits, because it guarantees this court process. It's an imperfect process, but it's better than the process Congress has, because Congress is unwilling to do what's necessary to get the documents they have a, a legal right to, or a constitutional right to. But we've got this court process that is just great in terms of getting avail making do these documents available to us, and pressuring the agencies generally to make documents available even to Congress, even if they don't give them to us first, because they know we're going to get them eventually. So uh, not Congress, not the media, but judicial watches in court getting Bruce Orr documents. We now know that the key documents we're seeking are about 1,650, I think it's a little over 1,600 pages. This Justice Department wants up to six months to turn them over, which we'll battle with them on, but we're going to get the documents. Now, we don't know what they're going to turn over to us. Will they withhold a bunch of documents? I don't know. 
But this process is moving forward. And it's, again, Judicial Watch is doing all the work here. We're the ones doing the heavy lifting when it comes to getting government documents about this massive corruption scandal that I've been talking to you about. So speaking of a massive corruption scandal, uh, the spygate aspect of Russia, of the Russia scandal. Now, we had the Clinton DNC dossier. Remember, that abuse of the FISA court process is only one aspect of the corruption here. Because remember, they were using confidential informants, spies on the Trump campaign to try to entrap them, it looks like. The FBI and DOJ and who knows what other government agency, looks like maybe the Defense Department, CIA perhaps, were sending spies, it looks like, to target the Trump campaign. And the one person who's been named as uh, the, uh, the, one of the so-called informants is Stephen Halper, who has uh, a lot of connections in government, specifically to the Defense Department. You know, you've heard a lot of story. I'm sure you've seen all the noise about jo- uh, John Brennan having his security clearance revoked or pulled by President Trump. Well, he has no right to a security clearance. You know, it's a courtesy security clearance, which is necessarily corrupt. Why on earth would any government allow courtesy security clearances out there? What a risk to our nation's security. What if you work in government and you deal with classified matters? You need a security clearance. And our new client, Adam Lovinger, had his security clearance, we believe, improperly pulled as a result of his complaining about two issues. Pentagon contracts for Stephen Halper and also Pentagon contracts for a group known as Long-Term Strategy, a firm owned by Chelsea Clinton's friend. So a Clinton crony gets a bunch of contracts. Stephen Halper gets a bunch of contracts. Our guy, Adam Lovinger, is complaining about that. And it looks like in retaliation, he had a security clearance pulled and revoked. Now, Stephen Halper, according to, and I think the Washington Times reported this out, let me get on my glasses again. According to USAspending.gov, Mr. Halper was paid $411,000 by Washington Headquarters Services, this is out of the Pentagon, on September 26, 2016. Oh, wow. Two months before the election. For a contract that ran until this March, so this March of 2018. Also, a string of contracts totaling $11 million was granted to D.C. consulting firm Long-Term Strategy Group. It is headed, headed by Jacqueline Newmeyer deal a self-described best friend of Hillary, uh, excuse me, of Chelsea Clinton. So Lovinger files his complaint about these contracts because he was wondering what's going on here. He knew what Halpers uh, didn't seem to be producing much in the way. of content worthy of a half a million dollars almost in contracts. So Lovinger filed his complaint about these contracts in fall of 2016. In May of 2017, he had a security clearance revoked. And he's been fighting it for ever since. And, you know, Lovinger is a great guy. I mean, he's our client, so I, of course I think he's a great guy. Uh, he worked for an organization in the Pentagon called the Office of Net Assessment. 
Basically, it's a really storied aspect of the uh, storied office in the Pentagon. It's their big thinker, think tank. And um, he specialized in issues uh, related to U.S. India, Persian Gulf, Sub-Saharan Africa, places where we might want experts. Uh, he's an attorney. He's an adjunct professor at Georgetown University. And prior to having his security clearance revoked, he was assigned to the National Security Council in the White House. Once the security council was revoked, once the security clearance was revoked, he had to leave the National Security Council. So uh, he's asked for his records. He's appealing these, uh, this, this retaliatory effort. He's not getting the records he's asking for in response to, uh, they admit they have records about this, the way they handled this revocation of a security clearance. So Judicial Watch has come in and sued for him to try to get the records. And he's represented by a great lawyer. You may have seen him on TV talking about the case, Sean Bigley. So uh, this is a big deal. So you have this whistleblower highlight specifically what is going on with the Stefan Helper contract. What is going on with these contracts for this Chelsea Clinton crony? $11 million in contracts for the Chelsea Clinton crony. And he gets his security clearance revoked. So when you hear the establishment in the deep state whine and complain about a corrupt figure like John Brennan getting his security council, his security clearance revoked, for good reason. Think back to our client, Mr. Lovinger, who lost his security, council, his security clearance. These are all deep staters making these decisions because he blew the whistle on misconduct. That's what it looks like. There was no good reason for them to pull his security clearance. And of course, you know, when they pull your security clearance improperly, in my experience, the bureaucracy comes up with fake reasons for pulling it. So they drag your name through the mud in order to justify pulling the security clearance. So this is what Lovinger's facing. And um, thankfully, his story is getting more prominence as a result of media attention, as a result of Judicial Watch's lawsuit. We're proud to be able to help him. Now, speaking of security clearances, you know what's news? The State Department is refusing to say one way or another whether Hillary Clinton has a security clearance. Oh, yeah, Hillary Clinton may still have a security clearance. And the State Department is invoking her privacy rights to keep you, the American people, from knowing about whether this person who's compromised national security six ways to Sunday still has a security clearance. So Adam Lovinger has no security clearance. Hillary Clinton may still have one. And the State Department's still protecting her in terms of refusing to disclose that information about whether she had it one way or another. Uh, if she has it, it's a scandal. And if it was pulled, it will make her look bad. That's why they don't want to disclose it to you. Now, I don't need to tell you, I hope, by this time, why Hillary Clinton shouldn't have a security clearance. Uh, about her misconduct. But let's go back and talk about this, because it's in the news again. The Daily Caller News Foundation 
following up on disclosures by Congressman Louis Gohmert, who's a great friend of Judicial Watch, a great congressman, brave congressman from Texas, who's willing to call it as he sees it with regard to government corruption, he first exposed how there was information from the Office of Director of National Intelligence. Their IG office found that Hillary Clinton's email server the non-secure, non-state.gov email server that she was using purposely to avoid disclosure to Congress and FOIA under law and to hide her records from the American people, that the China, a, a, a company associated with the Chinese government, essentially a Chinese government front company, had done something to her server so that every email that was coming and going, they were BCC'd on as it was happening. They were getting real-time copies of her emails. We now know that there was classified information in this email system. Judicial Watch has confirmed that because we've been getting her emails and the government's been telling us there are certain emails you can't have because they're classified, including uh, the highest level of security classification. She also had classified emails on the 33,000 emails that she attempted to delete or hide from the American people that the FBI was able to recover in part or find otherwise and had been turning over to Judicial Watch. So Judicial Watch has gotten emails, or at least those that were able to get under law, from the, from the materials she did turn over to the State Department once we caught her. And Judicial Watch has been getting the emails that the FBI supposedly recovered, including, presumably, and this is another scandal from Anthony Weiner's laptop. Anthony Weiner married to Yuma Abedin, Hillary Clinton's top aide. Judicial Watch, for instance, found that uh, we, we uncovered as a result of our lawsuit, they had to give us the documents, they admitted that there was, because uh, they disclosed it to us, classified information on Anthony Weiner's laptop, 18 classified emails. including the identity of a CIA official that was put at risk as a result of this material being out there on the Internet equivalent of a park bench. And Paul Sperry, the investigative reporter, reported on, with respect to the Wiener laptop that they didn't even look at all the emails. It just raises questions about what they've been turning over to us in our case. So you had Hillary emails potentially hacked by the Chinese. You had classified information on Anthony Weiner's laptop from Hillary Clinton's email server that the FBI didn't bother looking at. And I told you a few weeks ago how Judicial Watch had uncovered that the Russians may have hacked her server as well. Now, we told Strzok's team at the FBI this in 2016. There was never any follow-up. The Chinese may have hacked her. The Russians may have hacked her. Her materials were on Anthony Weiner's laptop, which was obviously risky, and obviously having her material on an unsecured, non-governmental server was risky as well. So we know about the Chinese and the Russians. Who knows who else had access to that server? Now, in response to all of this, the FBI has dishonestly said, we found no evidence that her server was hacked. Well, I don't know what they mean by hacked. Of course, the FBI was in a position to find the evidence that they didn't look. It was the Office of Director of National Intelligence who briefed Peter Strzok on this, but evidently she, he never followed up on this. You know why they didn't want to follow up on this? To admit that her system was hacked would have uh, eliminated the fiction 
that her decision to run her email system the way she did was a victimless crime. But if there was confirmation or a reasonable suspicion that security, national security was compromised, that would have been a harder case to make and it would have been more uh, significant, it would have been uh, led to more significant pressure to prosecute her. You know, Hillary Clinton is still being protected on this issue. As I said, the FBI is disingenuously denied. They found no evidence. Go back and look at what James Comey said about this issue. He said, well, you know, we didn't find any evidence that she was hacked, which I don't think was true because we had presented evidence. The Office of Director of National Intelligence, IG, presented evidence to the FBI. But Comey said, just because we didn't find the evidence doesn't mean it didn't happen. In fact, they presumed it did happen. Because sometimes you can be hacked and systems can be compromised and the perps will leave no fingerprints. That's why you don't do what Hillary Clinton did. Because they can rob you right under your nose and you will never know. And the best and the brightest forensic computer experts will never know. But of course the FBI and the Justice Department were all about protecting Hillary and targeting Donald Trump. And they weren't going to let this national security crime get in the way of that. So they suppressed it. And by they, I don't mean just the Obama administration. I mean appointees of the Trump administration. Because Judicial Watch sued last year to force the Office of Director of National Intelligence and other, agency, and other agencies to do the required damage assessment. Because the regulations say you shall do a damage assessment if there's a question of national security being breached here by documents getting loose. And they refused to do it for the reasons I suggest. To do so would, to be, would be confirmation that Hillary Clinton should have been prosecuted. And it was this Justice Department, this Office of Director of National Intelligence, now run by... Um, I forget the name of the senator who's running it, retired Senator, uh, senator Dan Coates from Indiana. There you go. Who's asleep at the wheel on this issue. They refused to do a damage assessment on Hillary Clinton's placing classified information, including the most classified of the classified information, on this unsecure server even though the FBI was told twice that it may have been hacked, and the director, James Comey, admitted they presumed it had been hacked. They didn't do the required damage assessment. And they fought us in court, and they told us it's not serious enough. 22 email chains were the, of the highest level of classification. You know, there are four and a half million people, I think, with security clearances in this country. And they all know what I'm talking about. If you have a security clearance, you know what I'm talking about. If you did what Hillary Clinton did, you would have been arrested and prosecuted. And it's about time that this FBI and uh, Justice Department be held to account for their refusal to enforce the rule of law against Hillary Clinton on these national security and other crimes. I mean, we all know what the Obama gang was up to. What is the excuse for this Justice Department not to take action against Hillary Clinton? That's the scandal. So uh, in the meantime, Judicial Watch is going to keep on fighting 
We've got more emails coming to us from the Hillary Clinton server. I think we just got a batch today. We'll be taking a look at today. But we'll probably have news for you on that next week. But I, I tell you, uh, and I don't just say this because I'm president of Judicial Watch. I say this because it's just really remarkable. Judicial Watch is one group where a nonprofit, non-governmental organization, as the experts like to describe groups like Judicial Watch, and we're doing all the work. We're in court. We're getting the documents. We're pressing the government to do the prosecutions, or at least the investigations. Congress isn't in court. Judicial Watch is the only one in court on these core issues. I've said it before, we have over 30 lawsuits on this deep state attack on our constitutional democracy, our constitutional republic, the attack on the president, the harassing attack on the president, the scandal of our time. Congress is doing some of the work. They're not doing nearly enough. Uh, the media largely is rooting the corruption on. And it's the whole Judicial Watch that is doing all the heavy lifting on this. And we're happy to do the work. And just remember, we only do it with your support. So if you're supporting us already, you know what to do. And also pat yourselves on the back and give yourselves a hand for helping us get this remarkable work done. But if you're not supporting us, I encourage you to figure out whether you can or not. You can go on our website, you know how, judicialwatch.org, because we're the only ones doing anything. And uh, we're happy to do the work, but isn't it outrageous that we, ha we have to go into court time after time to fight this Justice Department and this FBI with their dishonest glitches and withholdings and delays and stonewalls. And they're protecting Hillary Clinton. No wonder President Trump is upset, because he sees this. And he's being told by his lawyers, don't get involved with the Justice Department and the FBI. But he should. He should order extreme transparency, declassify, turn the documents over to Congress, Turn the documents over to Judicial Watch. Let the chips fall with them where they may. He should follow his instincts there, because he's the president, and the Justice Department isn't a law unto itself, and that's the way it's been acting. So with that good word, or bad word, or unpleasantness, I leave you with the good word. I hope you and yours have a wonderful and safe Labor Day, and I'll see you next week here on the Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.